at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, April 20th, 2023 edition. And since it is Thursday, we are lucky to have Luke Guerrero back with us. Welcome back, Luke. Thanks, Justin. Excited to be here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is uh, an interesting time in markets and a lot of geopolitical winds that are continuing to uh, fly all which way and influence the market in uh, so many uh, different manners. And that's what we are here to help unpack is uh, try to distill the complexities of today's market, which are ever-changing, uh, and try to distill them down to what matters and, and what will impact the economies and, and markets. And so uh, we are here to answer your finance and investment questions per usual, and that is to do that in a straight, unbiased way and help you build the tools to become a successful investor. I know it's difficult in these times, uh, and uh, there's a lot of data flying at everybody, uh, right? Showing up on your phone and social media, and some of it is relevant, and others is more hyperbole. And uh, we're trying to cut through the wheat, uh, find the wheat through the chaff. Is that what's the saying? Find the wheat, separate the wheat from the chaff. Separate the wheat from the chaff. That's what it is. Okay. Yep. Thank you, Luke. That's why we have Luke. That's why you have me around. Exactly. And so we're ready for your calls at 888 chart. If you're listening live during our four to five live show, you can call and talk to us directly. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can call that same number, 888 chart in order to get your question in and we will answer it on a future show. Now we have a lot of material to to cover today. One is in regards to the headline, are we in a freight recession? And we are in the midst of earnings season and there's a lot to glean from these earnings reports. And one of the largest freight operators, J.B. Hunt, recently had some earnings. And we're going to dig into what the CEO said on the recent earnings call to give uh, some insight into what's happening in the goods market and ultimately the freight market. Okay, And then we're going to look at SEC rules, SEC crackdown on the crypto space. I think uh, that's a very interesting story. Two sides to, I guess, the coin, would you say, Luke? And and uh, uh, I think that one is important because this is this new this new industry that is a lot of people are interested in, right, Luke? And and uh, do you think this is going to be a big story going forward? This uh, this shift in the regulatory wins? Yeah, it could be. There's always a, a careful balancing act when new technology comes around, where you have to. Uh, balance the benefits it gives to society, but also try and mitigate the risks. And there are some serious financial risks associated with crypto. 
And when there's no rules, the bad actors tend to take advantage of that. And that's what you're, you've seen of late, and that's what uh, Gary Gensler is trying to uh, cut off, and that's what uh, we're going to discuss. We also want to touch on how investors are positioning themselves in regards to discretion, consumer discretionary stocks versus consumer staples. So basically bets on where the economy is headed. And then lastly, Bed Bath & Beyond. Bed Bath & Beyond looks to be ready to file for bankruptcy. And I think there is some great lessons from that story. So we're going to look at all of that on today's show, as well as your voice bank questions. One is on investing strategy and the other on Porsche Automobile Holdings. And we have an iTunes review question as well. So we have this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk, and of course, your live calls, most importantly, at 888 chart Now let's take a look at the market today. Luke, uh, what, what, did the, what do we have in store uh, for the market? Yeah, the S&P 500 was down about 60 basis points, and that was dragged, and I used dragged to really tell you what Tesla was doing today, which was down 9.75% on some missed revenue. Yeah, they were down. They, they had a... Margins were squeezed, right? They think they've cut their the price of their cars what six times this year. Six times this year, and really, uh, people are pointing out that they hit hit earnings. But if you think about it, analysts have been cutting earnings for the entire year so far. So yeah. that's that's really if if you think about it in the long run, how people have been thinking how Tesla is going to perform. It's it's a miss all around, and because of its size, it kind of dragged down the market with it. Yeah, and AT and T was also down ten percent, so they had rough earnings. What were the gainers? I didn't look at that today. XPO. Okay, I'm trying to find any big big companies with big gains. I don't see that. So yeah, the the bigger cap names uh, definitely struggled. Ford Motors down 2.8 percent. Neo, uh, I think in sympathy to Tesla, uh, the Chinese EV maker down 5.8, and Nokia. Nokia was down 9 percent as well. Nvidia down nearly 3 percent. So. Definitely those large cap growth names dragging down the market overall. The small caps, they were only down about a little less than half a percent, whereas the large caps were up down more than 0.6%. So uh, definitely underperformance there for those large caps today. Now let's pivot over to our first listener question. And we're going to talk to Sid. He's in North Carolina. He's looking at ALB Albermaro. Hi, Justin. Good evening. Uh, this is Sid. Uh, yeah, I have this in my radar just uh, for a few days, and today I saw some downtrend. I'm not sure whether, uh, do you think this is a good technical and the buying point for the long term? I also have the Rio Tinto already, that uh, probably 5% uh, loss and less than 1% of my portfolio. But uh, which one of you prefer and do you think uh, anything, any one of them for the long term? We don't have to do the comparison. But thank you so much for the wonderful knowledge and uh, guidance that you are giving to all of us. Thank you so much. No problem. Now looking at Albemarle. Is that how you say it, Luke? Albemarle? That looks right. Albemarle. Yeah. yeah, it's the world's largest lithium producer. And on the technical setup, it is definitely in a downtrend at, at, from its recent high back in November around 330 and change. Now it's down to 193. So a pretty quick descent here. And I've always said I'm not a huge fan of lithium uh, when it comes to investing in the green energy revolution. Why? Because it's all about supply and demand. Too many people focus on demand and not enough on supply. And lithium, it's a salt. It's pretty easy to get. 
Uh, and so uh, I think that's the issue here and why it's now in a downturn and analysts are downgrading uh, earnings ex- expectations for this year and next. Uh, do you think that's the, the ultimate reason why this is now in a downtrend, Luke? Could be. I think that makes sense. Yeah. You know, from a valuation perspective, it, it looks pretty decent. But, you know, valuation, as you and I have talked about, multiples are not the be-all, end-all of investing. And and certainly, I would agree with your your thesis on this one. Yeah. And pre-pandemic, it was earning four, five, six bucks a share. Now, it's uh, last year, it earned nearly $22 a share. So if there is some sort of mean reversion back down to that uh, you know, mid-single-digit level in earnings, this stock is easily going to be cut in half from here or probably more. So that's my worry and and why I've never been a huge fan of, of lithium uh, as, as an investment. Um, now, when you look at Rio Tinto, that's completely different, right? They're both in the basic material space, mm-hmm. but lithium is globally diversified and it's not just reliant on one particular uh, raw material. Uh, it is it, it, iron ore, as I talked to, I think yesterday on the show, we talked about Rio Tinto along with uh, they have copper, aluminum, diamond, gold, et cetera. I'd much rather be in Rio Tinto than I would Albemarle, correct? Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree, too. It's it's what they teach you in business school, that the only free lunch in investing is diversification. Yeah, and Rio is quite diversified, whereas Albemarle, Albemarle? I, I, I can never say that. Let's thing. go with ALB. Let's yeah, talk about the Yeah, there you go, ALB. Definitely, uh, definitely not. So uh, terrible technical setup as well on ALB. Now we're going into a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your question on the Invest Talk Voice Bank. Or if you're listening via our live stream right now, give us a call right now at 888 chart When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, how do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap because there's a lot of regulatory risk. Here. And Steve Peasley. I, I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson Food, this is where I'd buy it. Benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24 7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. Symbol BKE, what's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi there. I wanted to pick your brain about the Triton TRTN merger I was just made aware of this morning. The stock was up to 82 and some change from 60 and some change the day before on the close. The deal is $65 in cash and $16 in stock of the new company. I'm torn as to whether I should just take the 82 or wait it out and do nothing and take 65 in the new stock. Thanks. All right. This is Triton TRTN, which is being purchased by... Brookfield 
Infrastructure Partners BIP. And it is a mix of stock and cash, mainly cash, which is good, but a certain portion is in stock. And so it's going to have a bit of volatility based on that underlying stock and how the market prices in the odds of the deal actually being completed. Uh, as of right now, there hasn't been a lot of volatility since the, the merger announcement. Uh, what would you do, Luke? Would you just sell it and move on? Yeah, so here's how I like to think about mergers. You see this price pop here right after it's announced. That means that the yeah. market typically thinks it's going to go through. Yeah, it went from 63 all the way to about 83. All the way to 83. So then what does it become at that point? Really, it becomes essentially an investment in cash. Yeah. And from there, you're losing your ability to get the equity premium or a value premium or any premiums from taking on risk in the market. So in a situation like this, personally, when something is trading like cash, it's trading like the merger price, I don't see a reason why to hold on to it. Yeah, you're talking about uh, two bucks difference. And this is going to take six to, would you say, nine months to probably be yeah. completed? Yeah. Yeah. So especially with what your treasury rates are now, you're getting better than than that uh, by just going probably by treasuries, right? Yeah. So, uh, and with very little risk of the deal falling, or you know, with no risk of the deal falling through when you're when you're uh, by treasuries. Uh, now, you obviously want to think about potential tax implications. Maybe you wait a little longer to get to long term capital gains if that might be an issue. Maybe you bought it ten months ago and you wait two months, you get to long term capital gains. That may be uh, 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 something to think about if it's in a taxable account. But usually it makes more sense to just sell it and move on. And there's opportunity cost there, as Luke said, and you'll probably find better opportunities. Right? Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Now, Kyle from South Texas says, I'm a believer in CCL, which is Carnival Cruise, and think it will make a comeback to 30. The debt on hand is the only thing that is keeping me from doubling down to lower my cost average. What do you think? Luke, what do you think of uh, Carnival Cruise? You know, cruise lines in general are an interesting thing because before, in the middle of the pandemic, I thought that entire industry would die. Mm -hmm. um, from a valuation standpoint, it doesn't look too bad. It's priced to book 1.9. That's not terrible. It's enterprise value to forward-looking EBITDA is 10. From a technical standpoint, ugh, potentially staying away from this one for a little bit. Yeah, that's 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 my kind of sentiment is the I, I do think long term the the cruise industry is going to remain viable. However, they took on a lot of debt. They issued a lot of shares that are uh, going to dilute shareholders forever going forward. Right, Chronicle Cruise went from let's see, pre pandemic they had seven hundred ten million shares outstanding. Now they have one hundred thirty billion shares. Or sorry, one point three billion shares outstanding. So they nearly doubled their shares outstanding just to stay away from bankruptcy uh, during the pandemic. And, and obviously, that's going to weigh on earnings potential for shareholders longer term. Uh, and the technicals, although they've had they've strengthened since the lows in October, that's mainly because been the market strengthened, they've underperformed overall. So like you said, the technical backdrop is, is pretty poor. Uh, and something to keep on the radar, but I, I don't like companies that have just excessive amounts of debt. Um, so I'm passing. Especially when rates go up. Yeah, exactly. Especially when rates go up. Now we'll take a break. I'm ready, or we're ready, and inviting your questions on our best talk at 888 chart
Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point looks into the story behind this question. Are we in a freight recession? And the trucking and transportation company, J.B. Hunt Transportation Services, reported their earnings results for the first quarter on Monday after the bell. And they missed both on profits and revenue. They said volumes and revenue per truckload decline amid a, quote, freight recession. And this is coming from President Shelley Simpson. She said, we are in a challenging freight environment where there is deflationary price pressure for an industry that continues to face inflationary cost pressures. And you're kind of getting, uh, you know, these lag effects of, of monetary, of a policy, right? The, the, the cost pressures uh, are not abating as fast as the shift in demand for goods overall, because that's what, that's what freight issuers, uh, freight uh, companies move. They move physical goods. And obviously, we've talked about the demand for physical goods uh, declining. But Luke, as you know, physical goods are only a relatively smart, small part of the economy, about roughly a third, versus uh, the services side is, is, is much larger. So do you think this is a true representation of where the economy is today? I mean, it could be if you think about it. The, first, the freight market is one of the most volatile markets there are because it can go from incredibly hot to incredibly cold instantaneously. Mm -hmm. But like you mentioned, this is really being driven by the fact that you had an economy where liquidity was thrust in at such ridiculous quantities and then pulled out in one of the quickest tightening cycles in history. So this all makes sense to me. Yeah, and it's and physical goods is the the first thing that that kind of goes right. You, exactly your habit of. Uh, if you have excess money in your pocket, I remember when I was younger, I had friends that were not very fiscally sound and they would get a paycheck and they would be like burning a hole in their pocket and they would just need to go out and, and spend it. And so um, for the vast majority of the population, that's kind of how they are. They get an extra few dollars in their pocket and whether that's from their job or for the government, they go out there and buy something. And now that's not nearly the case uh, as much and that's why you're seeing the pullback in demand. Now, what Simpson said is that based on an evaluation of how carriers can perform in the current environment, it would be very difficult for spot pricing to go significantly lower. So she's kind of calling for a bottom in pricing. So is this more of a sign that you that, that these transportation companies or shipping companies are becoming more attractive again? What do you think, Luke? Potentially. Um, I don't necessarily maybe agree with her contention that it's a bottom on pricing. Um, certainly if it was, you think that's talking her book, I think that is talking her book a little bit. I mean, the reality is, is the, the spread on spot rates versus contract rates is still high as high as it's ever been. And that's going to have to narrow a lot before we can conceivably say that we're at a bottom. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure that now is the exact time to, to invest in it. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that the market reaction hasn't been that dire. Uh, the stock is actually up since, quote unquote, missing earnings on Monday afternoon. So net income was uh, for the, the quarter was $197.8 million or $1.89 a share. And that's down from $2.29 a share uh, a year ago. And analysts had expecting expected $2.01 per share. 
and revenue per load fell 17%. Mm. So that's a pretty big miss, but kind of built into the market. And maybe that is that is that a reflection of what to expect this earnings season? Do you think these uh, the expectations kind of across the board have come down so much that uh, these are going to be easy uh, easy hurdles for companies to to get over uh, to kind of quell any market uh, negative sentiment? Yeah, it goes back to what we said about Tesla. They didn't miss earnings because it's been revised down so many times. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so uh, very interesting story there. And, and obviously, the goods market is important, but is not the most important part of the market as a whole. Now, let's keep things or the economy as a whole. Now, let's keep things moving and go back to the Talk Voice Bank at 888.99 chart. Hi, guys. Love the show. Uh, I was just calling up about Union Pacific Corp. UMP, uh, trying to find out if it's worth buying. I own a small position. Uh, I just wanted to hear what you guys think. Thank you. This is Union Pacific. It kind of ties right into the the freight recession we just talked about or transportation stocks in general. And Union Pacific looks to be struggling a bit. Its relative strength is only about 44 earnings this year, expected to be roughly flat, and analysts continue to downgrade those expectations. And remember, Union Pacific is one of the largest, is the largest rail transportation network in the Western United States, across 23 Western states. And it did great during the time of globalization where everyone was importing things from China. Luke, do you think they're going to do nearly as well over the next decade as, uh, as business shifts more internally and, and into uh, uh, Mexico? With deglobalization, I wouldn't yeah. say so. But also, you got to think about some oncoming regulations in terms of uh, freight through train. Yeah, yeah. With all the what was what was the city the uh, East Palestine? East Palestine. There we go. Yeah, and and, and the uh, hazardous material and such, and and potential for them to have to retrofit all of their trains with uh, better braking. I think that's certainly uh, possible. Technicals remain in a downtrend, making a series of lower highs and lower lows. And obviously, the economy is slowing. So uh, of uh, overall, I'm, I would not be buying this right now. It's probably fairly priced, but in a downtrend. You, wanna, you don't want to be buying things that are fairly priced in a downtrend. Ten so, times its book value. Yeah. So uh, I would pass on Union Pacific. Now we're heading into a break. I'm Justin Klein with Luke Guerrero, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, 
listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. One of the most important things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. On the next Invest Talk, the story behind this headline. 10 Financial Lessons You Should Understand. Steve will get to that tomorrow. But let's pivot over to the SEC chairman or commissioner, excuse me, Gary Gensler. And he's defending his agency's recent crackdown on the cryptocurrency market. And there's a lot of detractors in Congress. But he's saying that the he's never seen an industry so routinely breaking securities laws. He said, quote, I've been around finance for 40 years in one way or the other. I've never seen a field that is so non-compliant with laws written by Congress and confirmed over and over again by the courts. Do you think that's accurate, Luke? Or is he just being is he being a, a party pooper? I think there's a little truth to both okay. sides of that argument there. I was reading a Bloomberg article uh, the other day. And the point that he made is that it is clear from the actions of the SEC that their intent is not to try and create a regulatory framework for crypto to flourish. That's not what they're getting at. Mm. 
And I think that makes sense because it is all of our caveman or cavewoman instinct of when you get burned, you don't go closer to the fire. Mm -hmm. And what happened over the past year, year and a half was crypto burned badly. It burned with Silvergate Bank. It burned with the collapse of FTX. And because of that, he's going to bring down the hammer as hard as he can. As he should. And he's doing that with the largest U.S. crypto platform, which is Coinbase. And they're preparing to sue the company for allowing investors to trade unregistered securities. Now, many of these crypto firms say the rules aren't very clear and they don't know which cryptocurrencies the SEC considers securities. And they've been lobbying Congress to write new regulatory rules that exempt crypto from the typical SEC rules. And to me, this smacks as saying, hey, we don't like your rules, so we want to try to make new ones. Uh, It kind of reminds me of FTX and, and SBF, right? Wasn't he doing the exact same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Because it goes back to the fact that these aren't exchanges. Yeah. Exchanges, again, don't have clients. Exchanges are just venues for people to meet and transact. These, these guys are brokers in mm-hmm. the traditional sense. Yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're holding assets, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Gensler says he believes the law is very clear. Uh, even though the, the crypto firms are saying it isn't, he's saying they're very clear. And they've... He says they've explained the rules to them, but they just simply don't want to comply. And he says, quote, we have a whole field in crypto that understands the law and that they are providing exchange services, broker dealer services, clearing services of crypto security tokens. And, you know, others within Congress are saying that their regulatory style is inflexible and doesn't have nuance. Uh, do you think that's accurate? Do you think it lacks enough nuance in, in saying, okay, crypto is separate? Or is it, you know, or, or, or is that going a bridge too far? Maybe we don't necessarily heed the opinions of Congress people who are part of the blockchain caucus. <laughs> you mean that they're being lobbied by these crypto companies to the push re- against the SEC? The revol- revolving door regulation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, it, it, you know, there are other members of Congress are saying that there's a l- plenty of guidance out there. And so I, I, I agree with you. I don't think this is something that is a widespread sentiment with Congress. It's just our system, you know, be, if you have enough money, which obviously SBF did for a moment until he lost it all. Uh, and Coinbase obviously continues to be a public company, be able to raise capital and use that to lobby, lobby Congress and, and, didn't they set up an entity in Bermuda recently? Yeah, I believe that's true. And wasn't FTX set up in Bermuda as well? Yes, it was. And so what's the regu- what's the history of companies that were set up in Bermuda? Sounds to me like they're trying to skirt U.S. regulation. Exactly. So uh, it's, it's very interesting to see them, uh, see the SEC really take it to these firms. I think they're kind of fed up, right? They're saying, we've given you tons of clarity and you're still not compliant. Uh, and so I think the whole headline that they're cracking down or being too hard on crypto is uh, probably more out of frustration, would you say? Yeah, yeah. 100% agree because there yeah. are real, real risks to the yeah. actual physical economy in the <laughs> world that we physically live in. Exactly, exactly. And, and guess what? Uh, for all that crypto is, uh, they cannot get around. Everyone says you can't regulate uh, Bitcoin. I completely disagree because we live in the physical world until we become completely in the ether, in the internet, uh, like the matrix, um, <laughs> then the government will and can regulate uh, this industry.
The first three Matrix movies, not the not the recent, not the recent one. I never saw the recent one. Bad. Yeah, not good. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's keep things moving. Return to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. This question came in earlier on eight at eight ninety nine chart. Given the spending mess we're in, I expect to see a stock market drop of thirty five to fifty percent once Biden has to pay the piper. As a result, I'm selling a few mutual funds with high risk and getting into Treasury bonds yielding about. 4.5% to protect assets. However, I'm keeping 80% of my current stock market money in defensive mutual funds like balanced funds, dividend-focused, healthcare, and defense, and will probably keep 10% in money market accounts to keep some powder dry to buy again once the market collapses. What do you guys think about this strategy? Uh, I To me, I, I see that strategy is a bit incoherent to be honest with you um and the first thing that smacks me is the fact that you're saying oh i want to buy balance funds or a defensive uh, equity funds do you really consider any equity funds truly defensive luke no yeah it's still equities (laughs) you know just because it's title it's titled defensive doesn't mean that it's necessarily defensive. it might be less risk than the overall market or than most stocks but it's not really defensive just like you know the minimum volatility ETFs. Go go look at what the minimum volatility equity ETFs did during the COVID crisis. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of minimum volatility there. So that's the first thing: is don't 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 just buy into the title of a fund that you're that you're buying. Uh, the second thing is, you know, I I I hate to I don't want to get political. I, we never get political on the show. I I think it's a bad way to think about investing. I think. Uh, marrying your politics to your portfolio is the surest way to make bad investment decisions. Would you agree with that, Luke? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So the first thing is whether you love Biden, hate Biden, uh, love Trump, hate Trump, that should be completely irrelevant. You should never think about that. Uh, your, your feeling, your emotional feeling towards a, a particular politician, a political party, it's about what is likely to come down the pipe, whether you like it or not right? The actual facts on the ground. Okay. And, and I'm a firm believer that, and I, there's a lot of people that are stuck in this 08 mindset where they're, they have PTSD and they think, okay, I need to avoid this massive market drop in equities, which, you know, we just had a pretty big one, especially if you were focused in, uh, if you're focused in tech stocks, you got a, a nice 35% drop uh, in, in those stocks last year. So it certainly can happen. But a broad uh, drawdown uh, of that magnitude, especially after this, you know, what, what, are, what are we down from the, the highs last uh, early in 2021 or late 2021? We're probably still down, what, 15%? 15%? Yeah. yeah. So you're talking about another 35% from here. You know, I'm a firm believer that the Fed and the powers that be, not only are they still fighting that same war, which was a deflationary shock. And you can see that with the, two, the, the, the COVID crisis reaction is that they threw everything in the kitchen sink at it to avoid a deflationary sock, stock, shock. So what are they going to do next time? They're pro- maybe not as big, right? Because they probably went, they can feel they probably went overboard, but not only are they still going to fight a big deflationary shock, but they are, are going to, uh, they're, they're probably still overdo it. Okay. Uh, and they have to because of the debt situation is, is in that, as you talked about, no country that has ever controlled their own currency has defaulted nominally 
on their debt. They've always inflated away that debt. And they did this. We did this in the 40s and 50s, post-World War II. From the, the, the mid to late 40s all the way into the early 80s, we inflated away our debt from the tune of about 120% debt to, equity, a debt to GDP ratio post-World War II to about 30% in the early 80s. And now we're back to those levels. But we're probably going to do the same thing again. Wouldn't you say that, Luke? No, I agree. I think the one thing you got to keep in mind is if for no other reason – the fact that we've never defaulted on our debt is because people in Congress hold stocks too. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the largest unforced errors you can do to not raise the debt ceiling. Yeah. So I just, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. And, and, and once again, long term, it's about creating an inflationary environment so that over time the debt gets inflated away. And so those that, that, that tie their political, uh, their political, biases to, to the market as a whole, to the economy as a whole, to their investment strategy are, are going to be flying one way or the other. You know, it's one of those things where um, if, the, if one president is, is in office, if you're a Democrat and a Republican is in office, you're going to be negative generally on the economy and vice versa. And that makes absolutely no sense because the president has pretty small amount of impact on the economy, uh, especially on a, a short-term basis. And so uh, that's what I would encourage you is to have a little bit more clarity on your strategy. And I would probably avoid a dire deflationary bust scenario uh, and positioning for that because the powers that be, they can't allow that and they likely won't. Now let's get to, uh, now this is Invest Talk. Let's play two in a row from 888.99 chart. Hi, Steve Justin. I had a question today about precious metals, particular symbol WPM. I hold this. I've held this stock for about three years now, and I'm up about 55%. And it looks like it's about to either break out of this particular or maybe all-time high. If you could take a look, think I should change the position or get out of it and take my pocket. Let me know, please. Thank you. Bye. Well, we own wheat and precious metals for clients, and it is a it, it is not a miner, not a gold and silver miner. It is a streaming company, and that is... Dis different, distinctly different. And it's different because what they do is they invest, they basically take their capital and they invest in all these different mines throughout the world and they collect a stream from that, which if gold prices go up, gold and silver prices go up, then they make more money. Uh, but they're, they're not going to be quite as volatile as a lot of the other miners who have more uh, operating leverage to gold and silver prices, but their business is going to be far more consistent, right? Look, if you look at their earnings trends, I would imagine uh, on, on your screen, you're seeing that consistency as well. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, this is uh, near an all-time high because gold and silver prices are near an all-time high. Uh, now it's pulled back a little bit off that recent resistance, but it looks like it probably needs to consolidate to just head higher. Uh, I would not be selling this. We are continuing to hold Wheaton Precious Metals W. PM and I've held it for a long period of time. All right. Now, Steve and I have been telling you for a while that we are in a new market environment and uh, these cycles that uh, this new cycle that we're in is a part of, of life and a part of investing. You enter new periods. It's not going to be the same as previous periods. And you have to look back at history and adjust your portfolio to fit the times. And there's usually analogs, and that's what we try to do is look back many decades to find the analogs that, that fit uh, for today, as we kind of just uh, just just uh, alluded to. So if you 
feel like you are not sure if you're aligned with the new market environment, the new cycles, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, located in Irvine, California. If you don't know, that's just south of Los Angeles. And it's where we practice parallel investing, which means you invest right alongside our clients. And we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. So you can take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting by heading over to investtalk.com or give our office a call at 800-557-5461. The sooner you reach out, the sooner we can help get your portfolio optimized. Now let's talk a little bit about market positioning. And I thought this was interesting is that short sellers are now positioning for a potential recession by boosting their bets against the consumer discretionary sector and backing away from their shorts against consumer staples. So consumer discretionary was the most shorted sector in the S&P at the end of the quarter with 5.8% of shares shorted outstanding. Consumer staples short interest dropped from 5.6 at the end of last year or the average of last year down to 3.4. So I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Why do you, do you, do you, do you think that's just a product of that shift in consumer demand for physical goods dropping or uh, do you think, and do you think they're offsides, Luke? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think they're offsides and I do agree with you. I think it's, it's a byproduct, a second order effect, if you will, of consumer demand. Um, but certainly, you know, I think I think a lot of the change has to do with people's different feelings in the in the most recent couple months on whether or not we're going to have a mild or a moderate recession. Yeah, and and you know the 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 jobs market, which is clearly weakening, not not dramatically, but clearly weakening. That's going to have an impact on consumer discretionary. Uh, the the lower the lower transaction numbers for homes uh, certainly is impacting uh, what people buy for their homes. I just moved in a new home. I bought a bunch of stuff. And so you can see how big of a, a demand that the, the housing market can create for physical goods. Um, and, and the consumer staple side, usually consumer staples don't do very well in an inflationary environment because they can't keep up. They can't raise their prices fast enough to keep up with their input costs. But inflation expectations or inflation in general has just started to come down as well. So that's certainly helping uh, that part of the market. And so uh, I think that's really what's what's driving this. And the, and I think that's the, the big question is they're, they're positioning for a recession and will a recession actually come this year? I think I'm the camp, Luke, that a mild one will come. Do you think we'll have a recession this year? I'm in the mild camp as well. Okay. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal here each and every weekday to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do that right now at 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Good day, gentlemen. This is Jim from Miami, and today I'm calling about Porsche Automobile Holdings, ticker P-O-A-H-Y. I have a decent-sized position in this, but I'm getting like conflicting information. Fidelity says it has a 9% dividend. Merrill Lynch says it has a 3% dividend. The price is fluctuating up and down, but I've been buying it on these little dips. 
And it just seems like a good company for like the EV play. And I believe the profit margin is pretty good. But can you just tell me more about this company and if I should keep investing more money into this uh, holding? Thank you so much. Have a great day. Well, this is Porsche Automobile Holdings, and this is basically a holding company for Volkswagen shares, uh, and it owns a controlling interest uh, in Volkswagen. And I know there has been a spread in in kind of the ratio here, uh, and Porsche was cheap for a while. I haven't seen, I haven't actually looked that up recently, so definitely something t to look into. But the reason you're getting conflicting reports is because you're probably using bad data, and some of those data's, uh, data would be backwards looking and looking at what the uh, dividend has been in the past and then uh, prognosticating what the dividend could be uh, going forward in, in another database. And so, and remember, this is a, an OTC company, and they pay, looks like twice a year. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, May and July, and so that's why when you're getting the free data on uh, what did he say, Yahoo Finance? I think he said Fidelity too. Or Fidelity, was yeah. Information. So uh, you're you're you don't know really what you're looking at uh, exactly. So I wouldn't be buying this for the dividend. Uh, you, this is more uh, of an EV play, and and basically you're owning Volkswagen, and Volkswagen is one of the better. Uh, car makers in the world, uh, right? Great brands and uh, historically much more profitable than uh, our domestic producers typically. Uh, but with what's happening in Ukraine, do you think they'll be as profitable? Like yeah, but potentially not. Energy is becoming more expensive. Production's kind of taking a back burner. I will say though, uh, for a lot of people that do call in and, and do want to look at EV plays, I think it is wise to look at established automobile companies like you are. Yeah, exactly. So if you are looking to play the EV market, this is definitely a much better way to play than you know your your Rivians of the world. So um, I, I would give it a thumbs up if you're trying to get that type of exposure. Now, lastly, let's pivot over to a story that likely will come through this weekend. That is Bed Bath and Beyond, one of the favorites. What Reddit board stocks, meme stocks, Wall Street ago, bets, that's Wall what Street it was bets stocks. And remember when people were they were they trying to create some massive short squeeze, and they did, they succeeded from time to time in getting uh, the stock price uh, much higher. But it looks like they are now ready to file for bankruptcy. And it's just a lesson here that uh, over short term, over the short term, any stock can go to almost any price if there's enough buyers behind it, right? But long term, it's going to be based on earnings power, and obviously Bed Bath and Beyond didn't have much. Right. Yeah, I don't know what the opposite of going to the moon is, but this is what it is. What did uh, Tesla describe their spaceship blowing up as? Oh, they called it a spontaneous, uh, rapid, unexpected disassembly. Ah, gotcha. Now it didn't blow up. It's a rapid, spontaneous disassembly. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening here at Bed Bath and Beyond. It's more of, I guess, would you call this rapid? I guess slow. Spontaneous. It's a it's a slow burn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they need to raise about three hundred million dollars from share sales by April twenty sixth to stay out of Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. That's less than a week away. And now with the stock trading at the close today at thirty cents per share, it's likely that they're not going to be able to do that. And especially because they need shareholder votes votes to get this uh, approved. And it's now largely held by individual investors who have just held it all the way down from when they got it squeezed from, 
let's see, $4 all the way up to 28. Mm -hmm. That was back in, that was the last pretty much short squeeze uh, in August. And now it is going to be worth zero. So it's just definitely a lesson to you out there that uh, getting your tips, uh, your, your investment advice off of Wall Street bets and Reddit boards is probably not the way to go, right? I always like to say they only post it on there once they've made their money. Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, it's a lot of pump and dumps. And I'm sure a lot of people made money, but it wasn't uh, the majority of the people playing these type of names. Now, I'm Justin Klein with Luke Guerrero, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. Thank you.